to be with you all, even if only virtually. Here's the thing, none of us are trying to live badly. We don't set out to have poor relationships or to be awkward in social settings or to be hopeless with our money. We don't intend to be unhappy at work or to be a poor leader or a parent who doesn't know what to say to our kids when they struggle. It's just that sometimes it's hard. Doing life well is hard. We want to live well, to be happy, have good relationships, achieve good things, be good people. We sense deep down in our bones that there are ways of living that lead to life, to genuine flourishing, and ways that lead to death, fractured relationships, to diminished lives. But as we strive to live well, we face obstacles, too little time, too much pride, not enough money or courage or information or support. And we don't know how to navigate our way through it all. It's messy, it's complicated. Or let's put it in a Christian key. We get the big picture, love God, love neighbor, fine, good. But what does it actually look like in the detail, on the ground, in the home, at work, under pressure, in this disagreement, in that decision, in this mess? We want to live well, but we don't always know how to do so. Today, we're continuing a series on listening to scripture. And our topic is wisdom literature. Wisdom literature is the name given to a collection of books in the Bible, which include Proverbs, Job, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Songs. We don't tend to pay much attention to these books, which is a real shame because the Bible's wisdom literature asks and answers the question, how might we live well in God's good earth? The wisdom literature, wisdom literature takes seriously our deep instinct that there is a way that leads to life and it seeks to show us how to live it. The wise live well, wisdom, wisdom literature says to us. Come, let me show you how to grow in wisdom. So my aim this morning is to offer just a taster, an introduction to the wisdom literature of the Bible. It's a massive topic. I'm going to say a couple of things, but later on in this week, in your formational communities, you're going to dive deeper using the Bible Project app. I highly recommend you do this. These resources are awesome. Everything the Bible Project does is worth engaging with. Today, I want to suggest that the wisdom literature of the Bible offers several gifts to our imagination about what a faithful life looks like. What is its character? What is its quality? If all of Scripture is about forming us to be certain types of people in the world, what are the particular things wisdom literature tries to form in us? The Psalms, for example, suggest that a faithful life is going to involve prayer, lament, and praise. The books of the law put justice, righteousness, and our longing for holiness at the center of the faithful life. What about wisdom? What gifts do these books offer us? That's what I want to talk about. My way in is going to be the question Job asks in chapter 28 of the book of Job. Where may wisdom be found? That's our launching point. And the first thing to note is that wisdom is worth looking for. A good portion of the wisdom literature is dedicated to trying to convince us to go out and seek wisdom. In Proverbs, the figure of woman wisdom is often presented as calling from public places, asking us to seek her. So in Proverbs 1.20, wisdom cries out in the street. In the square, she raises her voice. Proverbs 8.2, on the heights, beside the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand. 
beside the gates in front of the town at the entrance of the portals she cries out so wisdom cries out to us come to me wisdom knows that there are other voices competing for our attention folly is there too crying out let all who are simple come to my house so wisdom cries out come to me and wisdom offers us rewards wisdom is life-giving we are told wisdom is a treasure more precious than rubies, something desirable beyond all worldly goods. Wisdom is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her, we read in Proverbs 3. Those who hold her fast are called happy. Life here is not just biological life, it's flourishing. The wise flourish. They relate well, they work well, plan well, they do the right thing, they know what to say, they seek and see opportunities they think well and on and on or in the startling words of woman wisdom in proverbs 8 all who hate me all who hate wisdom love death so what does a faithful life look like it's hungry and urgent for wisdom that's the first gift the wisdom literature offers to our imaginations about the quality or character of a faithful life if you love god if you love life seek wisdom and this then begs job's question where may wisdom be found and one of the answers to that question is the second gift wisdom literature offers us where may wisdom be found in the stuff of the world think about what type of literature wisdom literature is listen to these proverbs like a madman who throws firebrands arrows and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says I am only joking. Or this, when the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. When the wicked perish, there are shouts of joy. Or from Ecclesiastes, as fish are caught in a cruel net, or birds are taken in a snare, so people are trapped by evil times that fall unexpectedly upon them. What type of knowledge is this? It's not a direct word from God like we find, say, in the books of Moses or from the prophets. This is something else. The wisdom literature reflects the accumulated insights of the wise drawn from their deep reflection on the stuff of life. The wise have watched and have paid attention to how neighbors live well together and how things typically go wrong between them, to how cities prosper or why cities typically fall, how sometimes things, things don't go as we plan and evil times come to all. They've reflected on how marriages work, who typically succeeds in life, what damage does anger do, or a loose tongue. They've paid attention and they've shared their insights with us. Where can wisdom be found in the stuff of the world? Here's the gift. Wisdom literature tells us a faithful life requires paying attention. It requires being awake, being curious, attentive, to detail, patient in discovery, observant of the patterns that seem to govern social and creaturely life. It's the foolish who go about life without paying attention. It's the foolish who don't reflect on their lives, who keep doing the same thing over and over with the same disastrous results, who have a long train of broken relationships behind them and never stop to think why, who are satisfied with mere eye reckons. But such foolishness leads to death. 
the death of relationships, the death of communities, the failure of good plans and projects, sometimes literal death. The wise are attentive and curious because they know and believe that God made the world through wisdom. That's one of the core assumptions of the wisdom literature. God is wise and he made the world wisely. So Proverbs 3, 19 to 20, by wisdom the Lord laid the earth's foundations, by understanding he set the heavens in place. By his knowledge the watery depths were divided and the clouds let drop the dew. If the world is made through wisdom, then to know wisdom, to figure out how to live well, is to know how the world works. And it requires paying attention. It's worth saying that this fierce commitment to learning, to understanding, to paying attention, to making sense of the world, is not in popular imagination or reality, if we're honest, characteristic of your typical Christian. To us then, wisdom literature offers us a gift in the form of a challenge. Where may wisdom be found? In the stuff of the world. Are we paying attention? Are we committed to learning and growing in our understanding? To live otherwise is to show a lack of faith in God the Creator, who made the world through wisdom and gave us capacity to know what we need to know in order to live well. Now, there is a danger of being misunderstood here. We need to add another of wisdom's gift if we are to think well about what I'm saying. Where may wisdom be found? In the stuff of the world, yes, but also in the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, we read in Proverbs 9. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. All the wisdom literature in the Bible agrees fundamentally on this point. So what then is fear of the Lord? It's not quaking, it's not terror. It is a posture of humility and dependence on God. I trust in Him and in His ways. To live well... To be truly wise, you must fear God. And that makes sense, right? First of all, there are limits to what we can know. We don't have a complete view of things. We don't have a God's eye view. As a writer of Ecclesiastes notes, that which is, is far off and deep, very deep. Who can find that out? We don't see clearly all the time everything that is going on. We don't understand the fullness of what has led up to an event or that will flow from it. We don't know everything that is going on in someone's heart, what they know and what they've experienced. So fear of the Lord, humility and trust in God is wise because it recognizes the reality of our limits and it trusts our past to God's wisdom. But there's more to it. Remember the wise seek to make sense of life, make sense of the world so they can live well within it. Well, God created the world. He made all life. It is God's purposes that shape the meaning and good of human life. Therefore, to position ourselves before God with humility, to trust in Him, to fear Him, is to live well, is to live in reality. It is to be wise. See, the fault of Adam and Eve was not, in the garden was not that they desired wisdom. No, the Bible is clear. Wisdom is God's intent for us. How else could we image a wise God? The problem for Adam and Eve is that they wanted wisdom on their own terms. They wanted to decide for themselves, apart from God, what was good for them. But this was foolish. The Creator knows what is good for the creature whom He made and loves. Adam and Eve did not fear God, and they acted as fools, and it led to death. 
Here then is the gift, and I think some of us need to hear this. The wisdom literature shows that reasonable knowledge of the world and passionate trust in God can be and should be held together. Where is wisdom found in the stuff of the world and in fear of God? And these two sources are not in competition. They complement each other. The image we get of a faithful life through the wisdom literature is a life we're praying, we're hearing from God, being led by God's Spirit, goes alongside complementing and infusing deep reflection and learning. This is a gift we need today. You can be both fully alive intellectually and fully alive spiritually. Fully alive trying to understand the world and fully alive to God, passionately trusting Him. In fact, there is no other way. This is the type of person, this fully alive person that the Bible wants to form. And some of us have separated these two elements of life. But God desires whole people, people who pray and think, who listen to God and reflect deeply on their lives and situations. People who pay attention to God and to the world, trusting that God is with them and giving them what they need to understand both Him and the world. That's a wife's life, a fully alive life, being fully present to God and the world through our God-given capacities. The Bible seeks to form God's people for God's mission in the world. The fact that the wisdom literature is part of God's inspired word means we are to take its gifts seriously. I've named three of those gifts today. Are you seeking wisdom in your life? Are you paying attention to the stuff of the world, seeking understanding, searching out truth? Do you fear the Lord, submitting all your ways to him? The wisdom literature takes seriously our daily lives and calls us to live them well for our sake and for the sake of others. So I encourage you to read the books, read Proverbs and Job. Take a risk on Ecclesiastes. These books differ from the rest of Scripture. They are not stories to inspire, not moral laws to challenge, but they offer profound gifts. Allow these books to prompt deep reflection on your own life. Am I a good neighbor or husband or wife? Am I good at keeping my tongue? Do I, do, do I work well? Do I prepare well? Is my home a place of blessing? Allow them to create in you an urgency to seek wisdom and a desire to pay attention, to learn, to reflect and not stumble through life half asleep. Allow them to convict you to live in fear of the Lord, trusting all your ways to his loving, gracious and wise care. We can't grow in wisdom on our own. This is my last word. We need community. Scripture is best read with others. So this week, Place wisdom at the heart of your conversations together. We need wise churches. We have had enough of foolishness. Encourage one another along the way of wisdom and follow God where he leads you to life and not death. Let me pray. Father, thank you that you're wise, that you have made this world through wisdom. Thank you that you call us to be wise people for our sakes and for the sakes of our communities. Lord, thank you that you have given us all you, we need, all the capacities to know you and to know this world, know what we need to live well. Thank you that you send us your spirit of wisdom. 
to work through us as we seek to live wise lives. Lord, bless us. Bless St. Augustine's. Let it be a community that brings life into this world and is known for its wisdom in these troubled days. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you and God bless.